Welcome to Raising OKC Kids, Conversations with Metro Family in Oklahoma City. I'm Erin Page, and today I'm joined by Tori Shoecraft and Kamal Pennington to talk about the current legislative session in Oklahoma, including what upcoming bills may impact families. Welcome, Tori and Kamal. Thank you, and thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah. I'm so glad to have you guys here today. This is a hot topic right now. I know lots of parents have a lot of questions about how to get more engaged in the legislative process. So I want to start by telling our listeners a bit more about both of you. Tori is president at the Oklahoma City Chapter of the American Federation for Teachers, and Tori's also been a contributor for Metro Family. Kamal is Director of Admissions at the University of Oklahoma College of Law, as well as the Vice Chair of Legislative Monitoring Committee for the Oklahoma Bar. In addition to being professionally passionate about our topic today, the two of you are a couple, and along with Tori's young daughter, the legislative issues we're discussing impact you personally as a family as well. I wanna to start today by telling our listeners a bit more about you both. Tori is president at the Oklahoma City Chapter of the American Federation for Teachers, and Tori's also been a contributor for Metro Family. Kamal is director of admissions at the University of Oklahoma College of Law, as well as the vice chair of legislative monitoring committee for the Oklahoma Bar. In addition to being professionally passionate about our topic today, the two of you are a couple and along with Tori's young daughter, the legislative issues we're discussing impact you personally as a family as well. I appreciate you both being here today to help us walk through as parents how we can get engaged in the legislative process in Oklahoma. So to start us off, let's talk about where as parents we can find the most up-to-date information on what's happening in the Oklahoma legislature. What's the best way for parents to find out what bills that could affect their family are in committee, are being introduced to the House or Senate, or are up for a vote? There are a lot of great resources, especially in today's time when so many more people are active and engaged and want to know what's going on. So one of my favorites is Oklahoma Plaque, and that stands for Oklahoma Parent Legislative Action Committee. And they have a great website and have um, guides and information about bills that are happening right now. And they also do a lot on their social media. So that's a great place to go and follow, um, as well as some news um, sources like Nondoc does a lot of legislative articles, as well as Free Press. Um, and then also AFT and OEA and our websites and our social media, you can follow and find actions that are immediate actions such as like calling a legislator to say vote no on this bill. And so just simple things like that, that really get your voice heard. That's so those great. are some of our favorites. Perfect. Okay, so now that we know where to go to find out what's going on. What's the most effective way for parents to get involved in sharing their stance on a bill or an issue with their legislator? First, if they don't know who their legislators are, how do they find them? And then what do we do from there? So the best way to find your legislator is actually just Google find my legislator. And if you do that, the first link that shows up is Oklahoma, the Oklahoma State Legislature's website that'll tell you who your federal and state uh, uh, legislators are. So that's a quick way to get that information. Um, when, you, when you ask the question, when we 
we're thinking about the answers to this kind of question, um, we had an interesting discussion about our different, differing views about what's the most effective way to have your voice heard. And I come from the place of, of having served a few years working for the United States Congress. And my, my job, one of my jobs was legislative correspondent. So I responded to all of the messages um, that the uh, Congresswoman uh, received. And so you get thousands upon thousands of messages a week. And it was very challenging to try to keep pace with all the people asked for it. And so my thoughts about this is, always be direct and be genuine. Tell your individual story about why a bill or an issue is so important to you individually and your family. Um, the best letters that we received were always the ones that were handwritten um, or just emailed directly that you could tell that the individual person had written it. And those were the things that, that we were always able to, to really most effectively uh, to me, respond to because I know what your immediate issue is, and so those are the things. Those were my favorite times to take those kinds of letters and, and visit with the congresswoman to talk about a response because uh, you know that it was coming from that individual person and, and what really mattered to them and their families. Um, so, I think that really matters. Right, and I was going to say it kind of goes into one of our next questions, but our. And the reason why we had differing views is I really do believe in collective action, and I know you do as well, but the collective action and the power we have in numbers, I feel is so powerful. And really the matter is just making sure your voice is heard. So whether you are a part of a group or an association and you guys have one, the same message, or if it's just a um, personable message that you write yourself or a call you make to your senator or your representative, um, just making sure your voice is heard. And, you know, state legislators, to, to your point, you know, state legislators don't receive a lot of phone calls. So even your one phone call, your one personal email may really make a difference. And I don't think you should be afraid of, of emailing or calling them, even if they don't agree with you, even if you're giving them a, a different view, because they need to hear every perspective as they're making a decision. And may, you never know when you might be able to change someone's mind. And also, always make sure you tell them that you are their constituent or that you have family in their area, because they, that really, we have to hold our representatives accountable. And that is the best way to do it by letting our voice be heard and then holding them accountable. That's such good strategic advice from both of you about how to really make a difference and, um, and so actionable too. Uh, I love that you talked about your differing viewpoints and that you can make a difference whether it's through your personal email or personal phone call or collective action, that those are both worthy options that are, are great for parents to, to look into. Um, on issues that are important to them. And Kamal, you should receive all the gifts in the world for <laughs> that time that you spent <laughs> responding. I, I can only imagine um, how challenging that was, but probably really fulfilling too, when you felt like you could really listen to people's concerns and, and make a difference for them. Absolutely. You hear some interesting things. Um, and, and so one of my favorite letters, just thinking back to one was, uh, a, a girl who wrote us about her um, service projects that she was doing in her Girl Scouts uh, group and how much she just admired the congresswoman for um, and hoped that she could make a difference. And I, I know that she wrote a handwritten response to that little girl about staying inspired, staying focused, how you can fulfill this dream and be a member of Congress too. It just, that's the stuff that makes you feel really good about 
the people who serve and and just the difference that they can make in inspiring people. And so I was very fortunate to work for somebody who I knew really cared about people genuinely and wanted them to be heard. And I, so I, I do, I love that job for sure. That's wonderful. And it's a good reminder too for all of us that our legislators are human. They are just like mm -hmm. us. Um, so I know from personal experience, um, and Kamal, you touched on this a little bit, but it's much easier for me to call or email one of my legislators when I know that we already share similar views on an issue or a bill. Uh, it's harder when you know that you're on opposite sides of an issue. So what advice do you have for sharing your differing views or concerns in ways that are authentic, but will also are also respectful and will get your voice heard? I, I think you, you hinted at it. It's always start from a place of respect. Um, because if you start from a place of respect, you, you, you can ensure that no matter who the listener is, that they will at least take in the information. And that's, that's your first objective is to effectively make sure you're heard. So starting from a disrespectful place is always going to make that um, much more difficult. You know, while, while you may be opposite uh, your legislator on an issue, they never want to be opposite their constituents in general. And so you have to remember that your voice has power. They, depend, they can't hold that office without vote, votes from you. And so they need to hear you even if they don't agree because they can't plan on staying in office if they plan on ignoring uh, people's, the, the voices of the people. So um, most legislators are going to want to hear your, your differing view, and hopefully you can engage in a really respectful dialogue about, about that view. Um, it's, it's so easy, I think, in politics today to think that every issue is so black and white, you're one way or the other. And, and in reality, the overwhelming majority of the votes that, that legislators take, especially at the state level, are not these kinds of divisive issues. Um, they are they are more nuanced, and so hearing your perspective can really make a difference because it's not all these hot buttons all the time that that people are so uh, concerned about. Sometimes the most mundane things really do. Um, you can really make it be persuasive and end up changing somebody's mind who's a legislator. That's such a don't good give up your power. <laughs> That's such a good reminder. And I've had really powerful conversations with legislators um, who are from a different political party than I am. And um, I'm often surprised by that, and I shouldn't be. Um, we're just two people trying to have a respectful conversation. And I think um, a piece of advice I have heard before is just to always, going back to that being respectful, always thank them for their service. Even if you don't agree with the majority of their position on things, um, to still um, you know, be, be respectful of that and, and thank them for the work that they are putting in each and every day. It's a, it's a hard job. It really is. And it's people on both sides of the aisle. I'm telling you, I, even working for Congress, I was so impressed by people on, on both sides and their just real commitment to good government and public service. And that, that matters so much is to remember that it comes, for the overwhelming majority of people, it comes from a really good place of service. For sure. Um, so we've talked about this a little bit, but it's so easy for us to get caught up in the notion that my one voice, my one email, my one phone call is not really going to make a difference. So, you know, I, I'm not even going to take the time. It sounds like both of you are saying that, that that's not the case, that you can make a difference with your one email, your one phone call. Um, so talk, we talk about that power in that single voice. And then also, Tori, like you mentioned, that collective voice of community members coming together. 
Definitely. I, the collective voice is so powerful. And like we mentioned, having, um, being able to, our legislators, they want to listen to us. They, they need the advice of their constituents. And so it's important whether it's one person or a collective voice to make sure your voice is heard. Well, I still think that uh, collective action uh, matters. And if you, if you question it, just look at the impact that protesting has had in the conversations that we've had nationally. Um, we, you know, if you just look at the teacher walkout here in Oklahoma and the difference that that made in people's perception about the importance of the work that teachers do every day. Look at the way that we have, uh, we've gotten our nation to have a real serious conversation about criminal justice reform and the importance of it, and bringing both sides to the table for us to really make a difference on some of those issues uh, in the last year. There's still plenty of work to be done, but um, at least there is progress because of those, those collective voices. So it, it really does matter. And I think that it, it's too easy to, to give up you know, as people start thinking, you know, my voice doesn't matter. And then you realize that if we, if we all have that attitude, how are we ever gonna make progress? I, I choose, I think we choose to stay positive. We choose to believe in the possibilities that, that this country, that this state can be better and will be better when we're committed to it, when we show that commitment. You know, I, I work in, at a law school where every day I'm, I'm meeting students with all their dreams and all their passions about wanting to make a difference. I hear about it every day, read about it in their applications, and I, I just hope that, uh, that we can continue to inspire people to recognize their individual power. You don't have to be in law school to make that difference. You can be, you can be your, your own voice with your own family members. And I was also going to mention, sometimes people also forget that um, our local elections and, and um, issues don't matter as much when they have such an impact on our families in Oklahoma. And so it's important to always make sure that you're voting, even if it's a special election, like coming up in Yukon, but just making sure you're voting any chance you get because it really makes a difference. I mean, people forget that the, the streets, the police, fire departments, local schools, those are handled by the city council and by the, the school board in Oklahoma. You know, those are elections that happen off cycle. They happen, in the, they happen in the winter and spring. And so a lot of times people don't participate when those are the issues that matter most to what makes a real difference in, in, in our families' lives. And so participating in that way is really impactful because so few, people do. Mm -hmm. So in that case, your voice really, really does matter. Your voice matters anyway, but especially in those other elections. That's such a good reminder and, and such a good, such a good reminder that, that being engaged locally, sometimes that matters the most um, because that, like you said, that is, that's our everyday life. That's what affects our children um, as they're growing up in our communities. Um, so it is, it is so important to use the power of your vote and the power of your voice too. So our current legislative session is running through the end of May. There's been a lot of chatter already on social media about bills that are being discussed or voted upon. What bills are you all aware of this session that you think could be most impactful on families? I'm going to go through a few bills that I feel like will be impactful for families and public education in Oklahoma. Um, of course, there's always an attack with vouchers in Oklahoma. Um, for anyone that's not aware, a voucher or a tax credit is money that is 
primarily it's supposed to go to the public school, but it is used to, um, to it is advertised to families um, as a way to go to a private school, um, but they're often advertised to low-income families or to families with special needs. And a lot of those times the private schools will not um, take students who have special needs or they will not or the tuition for the private school is way higher than what you would get for the voucher. So it really does not, um, it's meant to be, make it more equitable, but it's not. Um, in turn, the money is just, it's used for other ways and other avenues. Um, so we are always fighting vouchers at the legislature. Um, there's two this year. Right now we're looking at House Bill 27, or sorry, 2673. And that's a voucher for um, a family that if they are attending an F school, they could have a voucher to attend a private school. Um, and then House Bill 2701 expands the Equal Opportunity Scholarship and unused tax credits from that that um, were not used by the public school automatically roll into the private school. So it would cause the public schools to lose millions of dollars. Um, and that's hard when we want our students to be able to go to their neighborhood school. We need to be able to support and fund our public schools so that everyone has access to them because not everyone has the chance to be able to be driven across town, especially in little towns in Oklahoma where there's not even a private school 100 miles from them. So we need to fund our public schools fully so that everyone has that access. Um, Onto funding, there are two big um, bills that will also affect public school funding. And one is, um, and that's House Bill 2078, and then also House Bill 2074 and their companion bills. And so House Bill 2078 affects um, the way that the funding formula works for the school districts. Um, and it changes the way they, they calculate the money. So in turn, the public schools would be losing a lot of money and in this year, especially where we've seen a huge increase in students enrolling in EPIC, EPIC would see a um, million dollar increase in what they are funded for every year. Um, and then House Bill 2074 goes with it and it's an open transfer act. Um, so it just changes the, it makes the transfer, the open transfer policy, it changes it and makes it a little bit more um, easy to go to school to school um, multiple times in a year, which then at the same time affects the funding formula for each school. Um, and then last is one related to bullying in schools. And it started as um, a voucher bill. And then it was quickly turned into something different that we could support and it's Senate Bill 222. And it establishes, it, it makes school districts establish a protocol and provide liability for students who are bullied at school. And so that is something that we all know is very necessary um, and will benefit children. So that is, that is one good bill. <laughs> um, and then there's still so many more. I, I just picked a handful. There are so many more um, that do affect our schools um, in little ways and some in big ways. So it's just important to stay in touch and, and follow those news sources and see when your voice is needed to um, make a call to your legislator.
Thank you so much for going through those, Tori. That's really helpful to, to hear them from a human. <laughs> you know, we can <laughs> certainly spend time researching and reading through, but I think having conversations about what these bills could look like in, in real life is really helpful for people to, to, to determine how they feel about them personally. Kamal, do you have any bills to add? I think those are the most most direct bills. You know, I, I serve on the as vice chair of the legislative monitoring committee for the Oklahoma Bar, and so our primary uh, focus is on just monitoring uh, bills that have an impact on uh, the judicial process um, and and uh, and justice just generally. So um, we're always watching that carefully. I know that one thing that we're always concerned about is making sure that the selection of judges remains a nonpartisan, merit-based system. And so that is always a topic of conversation at the state legislature in which we are still strongly of the, of the mindset, as, as I think a lot of people are, that we want judges who are fair. We want judges that are chosen solely based on their merit and, um, and their experience and not based on their, their political party. Um, so I think that's really an important thing and something you, a lot of people don't know that Oklahoma is one of the, uh, one of the innovative states in that area because uh, selection of judges is actually a merit-based process. They have to, their applications are reviewed, they're interviewed, and those names of, are, are sent to the governor uh, based on their, the quality of those, those applicants. And so I think that process uh, needs to be respected. We want a fair justice system, and that needs to be the basis of it. And, and I think that a lot of what uh, Tory's bills get at is our firm belief that every kid in every neighborhood in every part of this state should have access to a high quality education and that includes a high quality teacher in every single classroom and so any bill that enables us to get closer and closer to that vision that i know that we both believe in is is what we we want to support and bring attention to that's so great. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm learning so much from both of you and I appreciate the opportunity. Um, so parents, obviously, we've all endured more challenges than we ever thought were possible during this pandemic year. But we know that teachers have especially had such a difficult time uh, between keeping their students engaged, learning how to teach virtually, while many deal with angst over their own health or family members' health and teaching their own kids oftentimes as well. When I spoke recently with members of the Oklahoma State Department of Education, they mentioned that supporting our teachers is going to be more critical than ever as we come out of this pandemic. So Tori, what could and should that look like at the state level? Do you think Oklahoma will be raising teacher pay and how can parents support that effort? I don't see a teacher pay raise on the horizon right now. Our goal really is just funding our schools. Um, but I will say that there is, there is a need to support our teachers. And we have a teacher shortage already in Oklahoma. And so it is so important that we can support the teachers we have, retain the ones we have, um, keep them here so that they're not moving to Texas and Kansas. Um, and so supporting them in their classrooms, whether that's um, just as the parent we're supporting them or if there's ways that the legislature can help that. Um, but I'm a firm believer that we have to support the teacher so that they are able to support our students and their cup has to be full. If they're not um, taken care of mentally and physically, it's really hard for them to show that support in the classroom. So. It, it's going to be a challenge, especially after we saw the love for teachers in this last spring and then this year. 
there's been a lot of conversations about um, what teachers are doing and the idea of schools being closed when we know they're not closed, but um, there's a lot about, there's a lot of discussion about teachers and what we need to do to support them. So um, I think my job will be to continue to do that in every way I can by listening to them and by figuring out what their needs are. And I will be happy to share that with the world so that we can make sure that they're supported. That's so important. And I know, you know, as parents, a lot of us are really thinking about our kids' mental health as uh, we transition out of this pandemic and knowing that everything that our kids have undergone over the last year can manifest itself for years to come. And teachers are going to have to be prepared for that. But like you said, if we're not first taking care of our teachers' mental health and physical health and giving them that support, we cannot expect them to be there for our kids. So I love that you mentioned that. Um, it's something I've been thinking about a lot as a mom, and, and you're right, that there are ways that we can address that from the state level. There are also ways that as parents, we can do um, a great job of supporting our teachers in the classroom, supporting um, our school districts, and, and just being engaged to ask how we can help. Definitely. So as we wrap up today, as parents, what do you all see as some of the most pressing issues in our state that you hope our legislature will address this season? So as we were, we were thinking about this, um, one, and this will be close to a lot of people's hearts, especially as we are uh, recovering from this pandemic, but I think the access to affordable childcare is so incredibly important. Um, I, hope, I think we can all see that it, it's important to the, not only for the for children to have, have an opportunity to interact with uh, classmates, but it's also good for parents to have the opportunity to have somewhere safe uh, for their children to, for their children to go. So I think yeah, I would love if I had a wish list, I'd love to see um, see that addressed. I think another thing that's uh, so important is, is to continue and I know that that Oklahoma did pass the expansion to Medicaid. Um, but it's just so important um, that we continue to uh, increase access to qu high quality health care for everyone um, in the state because it is it's we can see that the disparities with with COVID-19 um, have, have really exacerbated a lot of the health challenges that everyone has experienced in all of our communities throughout Oklahoma. And so the more that we can do to address that, I think it's so important. I agree. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. I, like I said, I feel like I've learned so much. Your insight is so helpful for parents who are seeking to really get engaged in the legislative process and learn how we can best make a difference for our kids and families as we go forward. Thanks everyone for listening. Join us next time on Raising OKC Kids.